Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, dad. Hello everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And today I'm joined with an actress who's known for the movies Meatballs, The Big Brawl, um, Life Pod, and a whole bunch of other things, TV shows and so on. And she's going to be showing up real soon. And Miss Kwamakot Miss Drive-In. Miss Kwamakot. Miss Kwamakot Drive-In at Westerly, Rhode Island, tem- uh, Saturday, July 1st, 9 p.m. For what? They're going to be screening Meatballs and Meet and Greet with Christine DeBell. How are you doing today, Christine? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a beautiful, for those listeners who don't know, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, early afternoon. It's a beautiful day here in Maryland, and it looks like it's a beautiful day for you where you're at. Yes, it is. It is a beautiful day, but we're all having to work on saying Miss Quamicket. Miss Quamicket. <laughs> the word of today, Miss Quamicket. <laughs> And you're going to be you're going to be at that drive-in for a meet and greet in Rhode Island, like we said, Saturday, July first. And for listeners, I mean, you can make it a weekend trip. You can go out on the Friday, come back on a Sunday, and that's Saturday night. You can see Christine's movie Meatballs of Bill Murray, and you can also ask her questions at the meet and greet. Signing autographs. It'll be a great time. I mean, it's just one of the things. Is what better way to start the summer than with meatballs? Yeah, right. Thank you. It is the official start of, it's like the official start of, of summer movies. I mean, if, and I can't even tell that. And it's in the song, it's in the song, the opening song. Are you ready for the summer? I mean, come on. It's, it's right there. I've met quite a few people. One person that I met, he will go to his rooftop and set up a giant screen and they have all of his friends and then start of every summer, they would watch meatballs. And, and how did, just before we get into Meatball and all your movies, how did you get started in, in acting? You know, what was it when you were growing up? Were you in like in school plays or is it something that happened by happenstance? No, I was in school plays. I, um, I was in the school plays and then, um, but it was, I did a lot of singing, which I ended up not doing in a lot of movies, but um, I studied voice. And then what happened was is, um, uh, they, this Max Hayden Theater, which is a, um, they would bring actors from New York and hire some local people. The last show of the season that year when I was in the ninth grade, which is a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their last show was the Sound of Music. And of course I, I'd done it. And I was like, oh, I was auditioned for, because we'll go back to this study voice for years. When that, I, I, they wanted me to audition for Marco because I'm a ninth grade, right? So I auditioned and they're like, your voice is way too mature. Mature, Can you play the naughty postulant? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So that was the start of four, some, four years of summer start, acting and singing. And I had also been modeling in Albany. And so when I graduated, I wanted to go to New York. Uh, and I walked into Island Ford's office and, and started modeling as well. That's pretty cool. And one of the things I'm going to ask you, when you were growing up, where were some of the movies or theater shows that you gravitated to to watch? Um, 
I'm not fantasy adventure like um, the creature from the Black Lagoon is one of my favorites. You know, um, anything. Uh, my dad and I were both into science fiction and read, you know, Charles Zen and all science fiction books. So any oh, so Star Trek was one of my absolute favorite TV shows ever, and films. I, I I mean I can't always remember, but you know it's like whatever was at the it was a you know not expensive. There was just one theater in town and whatever they were playing, and a cut to them playing meatballs, right? You know hometown girl in meatballs, and it says meatballs starring Christine DeBell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's supposed to say Bilber. My dad took a picture of it. He said to me, "I was like, you're gonna crack up." I'm like, I'm, "Yep, I'm cracking up." pretty funny that's got to be fun and really cool when you're at a theater all the time growing up and now your name is on the marquee and everything else mm-hmm. that, that's yeah it's, it's pretty interesting yeah I, I i'm sure but you know thinking about it many actors that right they're from somewhere and possibly have a and they so they i'm sure they have the same experience oh that's true i mean um i know when I grew up in a little town called Edinburgh, Pennsylvania for the first, for the first like early part of my childhood, there was a college there and that college is known because Sharon Stone graduated from there. So it's like one of those things or people like latch on to like, here's somebody that it's a name and it's like, Oh, they did this. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. You have a lot of friends. And of course, I guess you know, the, the modeling career led into your acting career for film and, and stuff like that. Um, I know you did a lot of movies early on, but I want to talk about just a few of them because there's you have so many credits. It, we'd be here forever if we tried to talk about them all. <laughs> right. But the first one I want to talk about, I saw in the movie theater when it was out in 1979, and that is the main event. You know, you were with Barbara Streisand and um, Ryan O'Neal. What was it like? Yep. How did you get that film? Oh, my gosh. It's such a... It, um, I couldn't believe because growing up and singing, you know, studying voice, Barbara Streisand was like my icon. So I, they said they were already filming and they said, and I was told to come to the set. So they walked me into her trailer and I was like, okay, I'm told this. I I was sure I, I could barely talk. I was like, oh my God, I'm standing next to Barbara Streisand. Holy mackerel. And, um, and then she, we just started talking, she, you know, so I did, I somehow summer stock came up. I did four years of summer stock. She had done summer stock singing, um, you know, doing musical comedy or musicals in upstate New York, but not in Chatham where I had. Um, and it was just like, wow, I can't, it's like, it was like when I read for Robert De Niro, I was like, uh, or with him for Scorsese, but it was like, I, it, you know, you're just in shock. It's like, I don't know what I'm saying, but I hope it's right, right? So, yes, he gave me the job. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it was pretty exciting. It's, it, I always find it interesting when you have a star that fangirls out with another star. I find Because people realize, like, every, you're, you're just like everybody else. There's certain people you're just in awe of, and you get to meet them, and here you are working with them. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It really was. And she was the producer on the film, so she was hiring the talent, right? And, you know, Ryan O'Neill, it was like I'd seen him and um, never did this, but, you know, I'd seen him in some films as well, and it was just like, but it was still like, oh, my God, 
I'm standing next to Barbara Streisand. This is fun. And she's having her makeup put on, and we're just chatting about Summer Stunt Theater. It was like, wow. I can imagine that um, as, soon as, you, as soon as you got home or to your whatever you were staying at, you called somebody up. You wouldn't believe who I was just t- talking with today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is what happened to me today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, because I, I just remember seeing the film and just enjoying it. And I've, I've loved so much of her work and his work. And I think some of the movies you're trying to remember, Brian O'Neill, that I can think of off the top of my head would be like, what, I think Paper, Paper Moon, Moon and yep. uh, was it Love Story? Yep. It, With Allie McGraw. Yep. Yeah, great movies. Oh, they are, and they're still, and they still hold up well today. And I just, you know, I just remember seeing that film. It's a, uh, my dad. I think took, I think my dad and my mom and I were there, and um, just enjoy it. It, it, it. A nice little romantic comedy going on. And for listeners mm-hmm. that haven't seen it, it's it's a nice film. It's an enjoyable film. Yep. Yeah, it is. And then did that lead into meatballs or did was meatball did you get the job for meatballs for something else yeah meatballs was before and meatballs is because you know sometimes it's it it has when it came out not when it was actually made right yep and no but meatballs it says 80s but i'm pretty sure well the thing is they were both in the same year but i'm pretty i i I, i'm pretty sure meatballs was first yeah yep it's always hard to tell when you're looking at the dates and some of them will say, you know, like, as you said, it can be made months before and the other one's made in between. And then when they get released, it gets yeah. thrown off. Yeah. And they come out at different times and it's like, and then someone asks you, Oh, which came first? Well then, you know, all these years later. Okay. So maybe, okay. It doesn't really matter which one, because I can't really think of, you know, I, yeah. I know because I'm so used to looking at IMDb and they're telling me when, uh, you know, which one was first and which one was second. Yeah. And that, that's why I always find funny when I'm, when I'm talking to people like yourselves, it, funny in a sense where people are like, oh, but this is the one the movies came out. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But they, they film and some of them, especially nowadays with CGI and other things, they could yes. be filmed and it could be a year later before they actually see any, don't get anywhere. Absolutely right. Yep. But Meatballs, I mean. How did you get picked for that movie? I mean, how, what, what did you have to go for? Did you go through um, a casting call or did they see you yeah, for other stuff? Yeah, it was just an audition, right? You know, my agent called me up and said I had an audition for a film. I said, okay, and I showed up. And I don't even remember what I did or said in the audition. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it just, and possibly because I'm like so excited that I have an audition and whatever, they may have teamed us up and had us do dialogue i just remember it was a regular audition and then they said you okay you got the film and you're you're going to be flying to canada on this date and i'm like woohoo so it was and a lot of it a lot of the information i have is in retrospect like hearing other stories from people like finding out when i that i did um um a fundraiser in Canada maybe 10 years ago and meatballs was just, so they they had a few of the cast was there because the cast was very was most of the cast were not the cast the the the, uh, the the crew was mostly was all from Canada so and there were who was there um Rudy was there um the um yeah he's passed now the camp director so there oh, were oh, Harvey Atkin there. Harvey Atkin um, so then I find out that, you know, this film's over budget and, and I've been so upset. And I mean, I didn't really, I don't remember seeing that side of Ivan. Right. But 
but you know, I learned all these things I didn't know. But the thing, what I did learn, which is really incredible, oh, from Danny Goldberg, was that you know Ivan had met knew maybe him through because he had just started Saturday Night Live, or, or maybe he knew I don't know how they knew each other. But he's like, um, oh, Bill, you've got to come. I, I want you to make this movie. It's going to be great. I'm sure he sent him the script and blah blah. blah. But you know, then we cut to what Murray is like. Ivan did not know. Boy, we started filming the opening scene with all the campers and the buses because that was the end of camp. We needed the scene with them there, so we're filming the scene and yeah, or and then all of a sudden he walks on set. No one. It was like they they, they didn't. It was he was like I did not know that he was sitting there going, "Oh my God, he might not." Cry. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's like pretty funny. And yeah, it was great. He made the movie. It wouldn't be the same movie if you, you, you didn't have Bill. And I think it was his first film. I think that's that's what it's listed as, his first film. Um, and it's interesting to find that he had those quirks all the way at a young age, because you always wonder, like, this is this a quirk of his that he developed when he became the star? But it seems like he was quirky from the get-go. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. And and then my favorite, one of my favorite stories, which I've obviously told, is that when in the opening scene, when he's like, gentlemen, here are the rules. They'll be in here if you want to look at them in the trash can. And that's what he basically did with the script, which I love because I had done a lot of improv and I loved it. And, and he was coming out of Second City, I believe, right? So um, it was great. It's like in in... There, I said, hey, I, Ivan, how about if we do this? Like with me crawling across the and the scratching and the this. And then when we came outside, how about if we do this Laurel and Hardy where we pop our heads up from the tree? He goes, yeah, that'd be great. So it was just like, it was, that's, I love that kind of, that it makes it feel like a collaboration, right? Not, and then sometimes you have, nope, but just read what's on the script. It's like, uh, uh okay. <laughs> I like a director that, that allows the, the creative freedom. And sometimes they'll do like, as you, as you know, more than I do, but I heard other people say, they'll do a couple of takes. They'll do the take that's in the script. And then they'll say, okay, yeah. now let's see what we can do to add to it or improve it. And then they, in the editing, they decide what works, what works best for the film. And I think those are the right. best kind of directors when they have that time. Yes. Yep. I totally agree. I'm not sure that this, this script was up to Bill. You know what I mean? It was just a script, but I mean, some of the basics were there, but it's just like Bill made that film. He just did. I mean, anybody that watches the film always remembers the the, the scene where it's the the second the night the first night of the Olympiad, and he's doing the speech. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking just recently again, I'm thinking, oh, he had to make all this up because you could just tell he's just going, which made it seem so real. Like like his like Tripper is going through. And, and making this what was that like because you have i'm sure you had no idea what he was going to do oh yeah no and and the thing was is it's like what script you know it's like well, number one we didn't have any real hard me lines in there so it was all bill and he just starts being bill it's like it's like he's you know on saturday night live doing his losing stick and it was just hilarious i mean you saw we were cracking up i think there pardon me if you look there is not a scene with Bill in it, that everyone isn't cracking up. Well, except maybe some of the movie stuff was very sweet. And I also heard that they added that late later. They added a bunch of scenes because they realized that the relationship between Bill and Ruby was really what was going to carry the film. 
so they, you know, I think they went back in and um, and did some stuff that did, you know, like maybe the bus terminal was in there, but they added other things like playing poker and, you know, just some, the other scenes. And I will say that that's what sets this movie apart from other movies of its ilk is that it has this, this through line story of him helping this young child, you know, it's going through, who knows what the backstory is. He's dropped off. He's obviously uh, feels totally alone and how he's able to befriend that character and help him mature through that summer. Right. And do it um, admit, amidst all this comedy going around. It was like that was the grounding stuff. The grounding of the film was Bill and, and uh, yes, Rice Paul Moody, the season. Oh, it was great. And now one of the things I know you've, I, th- I think you've brought this up before, but just so listeners know your voice is a lot different in that film than your, than your normal voice. Oh, no. oh my gosh. It's so hilarious. We were in a, out of, freezing our butts off at camp and I and I got a cold so I'm just like oh my gosh I love your vo- your voice it's like your voice it's like I had laryngitis I was drinking well hot toddies but you know like drinking lemon and dr- honey and yeah I had a terrible cold so yes that's why my voice was I'm like oh you love you like me for my voice well it won't sound anything like that when we meet if we be, yeah. I just find it interesting because when you listen, when, when I watch other movies of yours, I'm like, wait a minute, did they dub her? Or not? you know, it's just like one of those things. And I, and I remember I, I saw one of your interviews where you're like, no, I wasn't dubbed. It was laryngitis, and I just figured I might as well bring it up because there's people out there who yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had, I absolutely was had a pretty bad cold and lar- it, laryngitis. I'm trying to think who else was sick. A few of us maybe. But mine was the one that possibly was most affected with the laryngitis. I don't know. Pretty funny, though. It just cracked me up. That scene with wheels, your voice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, mm. I'm, and I'm wondering, I think a lot of the roles I've been seeing you in, 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 in the movie, looking at your back thing, it's almost like because of your, your natural girl next door good looks. I think it's like a lot of these parts you're getting, is it, it seems to be, oh, she's like the girl next door. Yep. Yes. The girlfriend, like in um, with uh, Linda Linda Hamilton and uh, Bobby Carradine. Oh, tag the assassination game. Yeah, tag the assassination game. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm the I'm the perfect girl next door, best friend. Actually, I was supposed to be the best friend of Linda Hamilton in in the her first, you know, the the uh, which I would have loved. The film would be um, if it was almost the Terminator. Yes, I. You were supposed to be in the Terminator. I auditioned for the roommate, and then this is so Hollywood. They, they, I was supposed to be a aerobics instructor. Could I have learned aerobics? For did I work out? Yes, but so they, but they thought that they should hire a real aerobics instructor, and she was so bad it got cut in the film. That's just crazy. I mean, it's because you two had natural chemistry together. It would just be like, it's yeah. like, come on, put us. Oh, what? A, <laughs> and just imagine being in part of the Terminator franchise. I mean, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Forever. I would have been making Terminator one, Terminator two. Well, you know, they could have cut me. 
They could have cut you, or, or, or Arnold could have killed you. You could have been part of the body count, you know. Yeah, the, exactly, I could have been killed off. Well, it's like when I did um, Night Court, right? And I was uh, the guest star, and Maul's carrying me over the shoulder trying to get me out because I was a rock star, and it's, they're just being mobbed. And, um, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm his girlfriend. I'm gonna, I'm, maybe it's going to become a nope. Nope, not his girlfriend. And Richard Maul, you're talking about a mountain of a man. I mean – Mountain, the sweetest guy. Yes, giant. <laughs> that was such a fun thing to um, film, right? I, I had never actually done that. I'd done a lot of television, but that was live. Like you rehearse all week, and then you do it before a live audience, and on Friday night they tape it. And Harry Anderson, may he rest in peace, the funniest, sweetest man ever. But um, so, but this is another like a back story like an acting thing so you were we rehearsed all week right like yeah. re- memorizing our lines going over doing the, everything um and then we do the run through friday morning and that okay we're having lunch and then we're going to do it live so during lunch the producers came in said you know and director we're really not the opening scene where we're on the tv um, the show like Johnny Carson together. I said, yeah, well, we're really not keen on that. We've rewritten it. So they gave me. <laughs> and it's not like it was a lot of lines, but it was just like, what? Yeah, so so instead, I, I, I ate my lunch very quickly so that I could then work on memorizing the new opening scene. And of course, and of yeah. course, and of course, you've already practiced all the spacing and the movement, and now that's all just, oh, that's just chucked. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, every, yeah, right. Like everything you do, you think about, I mean, you just try to be in the moment and let it be natural, but you still have to, the words have to come out of your mouth. And then, and then it's like, oh, no, we've changed those words. Okay. I mean, obviously I don't, uh, it, it was just correct. It was like my first, you know what I mean? But it's my first experience in live television. And they just said, no, do this. It's like, okay. Well, that's right, Chris. Having your improv and theater background really helps out so much where you're able to, um, pull that off about looking like you're in distress. I'm sure that lunchtime was not a fun lunch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it wasn't so bad. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, I was on a soap opera. I was on the young and the restless for a year or so. So, uh, you know, I'd have to memorize 16 pages of dialogue a night. So I learned how to do that. Right. I think that was after too. No, maybe it was before they put it at the bottom now, but they, I guess they do that with soap operas. But I think it was 82. Well, I, I mean, it, it's not like the memorization that was so hard. It just the thought of, like, we've changed this. Because you just, it's like you have your character and you have how you're going to feel, which is what you were talking about, and, and your reactions. And then it's, but, but in a way, then it becomes more improvisational and so thereby possibly better. True. But I also, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of credit for your acting because there's a lot of people that could be that way. And then they're not reacting to what the person's saying. They're thinking about what your next line is going to be. So you're by doing that. It's such a quick thing. You're able to still have the natural reaction to what their dialogue is saying. So you can pull, you can say yours where you know what I mean? There's, there are people when you get those last minute changes where they can come off more, a little more wooden in their performance and you did not. Yeah. Well, and, but that's also sort of coming out of theater. And like you said, you know, improvisation, but uh, uh, something that was very much like that was um, when I auditioned for um, 
And the woman that got it was so great. She was that big, deep voiced woman. But De Niro and Scorsese, right? And which film was it? Well, there's so many. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll figure it later. But anyway, the opening scene is mini golf. So I'm sitting there. I mean, I, it's like, oh my God, I'm auditioning for a De Niro and with, and so I walk into the room. Here's Scorsese across the desk, and here's De Niro sitting next to me. I, I was so starstruck. It was so hard. And the op- the opening mini golf scene, he's like, okay, so um, why don't you guys do the opening scene of the mini golf? So he puts his arms around me, De Niro, and I'm like, in my head, oh, my God, Robert De Niro has his arms around me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, 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 he wanted improvisation. I'm so, I'm saying, I'm just standing there going, holy mackerel. And then I said, oh, shit, I've got to say something. And I finally said, look, are we going to play golf or what? (laughs) 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 I mean, there was no, it's like, I didn't know what to say. Anyway, we skipped the whole experience. Looking back, it was so cool. But in the moment, my heart was pounding. I was like, holy, yeah, I was starstruck. I can only imagine with being that close to De Niro. And then you have Martin Scorsese with those eyebrows watching you, <laughs> you know, those intimidating, uh, to me, they'd be very intimidating. <laughs> Usually I pull up my, it wouldn't have helped though, but it's like, sometimes I keep it on my phone just because it's like, I can't, it, you know, I get excited in the moment. I can't think of anything. Plus I'm, well, you know what that is? You have young listeners. so I can say it. I remember when I, my boys were little, it's, it's a similar thing, right? And I'm sitting there crying, saying, I can't remember if I loaded the dishwasher or not, or if they're clean or dirty. And he said, honey, I'm going to get all summers like grandma. And she said, honey, that's not, my mom is hilarious. She said, honey, that is not Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is not knowing what the dishwasher is for. She said, you're just having an incidence of CRS. And I said, what's CRS? And she said, can't remember shit. <laughs> <laughs> I said yes. I yeah. I've had a few of those moments. Yeah. I think I, I know I've had, and I think just about everybody listening to this, if they're being honest to themselves, has also. <laughs> oh, yeah. We yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like you know, I'm getting. Uh, I what am I now? I'm old. I'm almost seventy. And my uh, my twenty five year old, my youngest son, said to me the other day, "Oh man, I, I can't think of what I wanted." I said, "Stop it right there! What what did you just say? You're twenty five. That's my line, dude." <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal my material. I stole it from yeah. my. I stole it from your grandmom. You can't steal it from me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Pretty funny. Oh. Now you you've been in comedies. You've been in horror films, but one of the things I want to bring up the action film, the big brawl, also battle Creek brawl. Now I know most people ask you about a certain actor. I'm going to ask you about a different actor to start with because he's been one of my favorite actors in a lot of different movies. And that's Mako or Maiko. Oh, Mako. Mako. Yeah. Yeah. He was unbelievable. He was very quiet, but so it was just an interesting experience to see people that were so good at, at um, Kung Fu, Taekwondo. You know, I don't know what you call it. I didn't know then. Uh, and obviously, I still don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really cool. And, you know, 
he does all of his stunts, Jackie. So it was like, but Mako was, he was a very quiet, he knew his lines. He was very sweet. He was a really sweet, sweet man. As I remember, I mean, we were living there in San Antonio. It was pretty awesome. Ever, kind of everything about that, even in the beginning, and I've told the story before, but I had someone was driving me. I was a passenger in a friend's car, and he he was in an accident or some. I don't know who hit who, but I, my, I hit the windshield, so I had a scar, and and they waited to film. It's like they could have recast that, you know. They could um, Raymond Chow, right? Robert Klaus. It was like, holy mackerel. I, I just was shocked. I thought that they would, you know, go with a different actor. Nope, they waited. That, I, I know from what you're saying, that is so rare. For, rare. Yeah, it is rare. Yeah, like you think that would happen like with a really big star. I, You know, I don't know. Um, and and maybe there there is a backstory I don't know about how they really needed more time. Like you said, a film gets made and then, you know, Two years later, it comes out or whatever. Maybe they need, I have no idea. But also watching those guys being there and watching them, like that scene where they're doing all that stuff in the back in the background, I'm just trying to think of, it was just unbelievable. It was crazy. But for me, most of my time was spent helping Jackie with his line. That's what we did. You know, we, we'd all have dinner. Oh, and then they teased me once. It was hilarious. We, he, they take me to this Chinese restaurant, and they're like, and I do not like spicy. I still don't. My family, my my boys love spicy. So they said, here, try this. We dare you. This is very hot pepper. And I was young and stupid. And I said, sure, I'll try that. My mouth was on fire for a week. <laughs> a week. It was like, oh, my God. I... I, yeah, okay, so I still don't like. Now, possibly more I don't like. I'm like, oh, it's a little spicy. It's like, I, my, my son will say, I don't taste any spice. It's like, oh, man, I think it's spicy. Yeah, so, and then, because uh, what brought that on, the story is that we, so we'd have dinner, and then we'd go back to the hotel and sit and just run the lines and run the lines and help him with his diction, you know, trying to try it this way. Yeah, he's the sweetest person. Also, now, know, everybody in that. Camp. I was gonna say, I know he did his own stunts, and I remember rewatching it again not that long ago. And I know you're—I'm not sure. Like, like the, there's shots where you see him in the opening area where he's way up on these beams yep. and poles, and you're down in the car, so you're in the same shot. So I know you're seeing. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. I, I know, I know you're acting, and you're acting all nonchalant. But inside, were you like? Oh my God! Is he going to fall? Like I hope he's okay because it's rare you see an actor do that stuff. And Jackie Chan, of course, is known for doing his stunts. I mean, I, oh, I can yeah. only imagine no, he watching. Absolutely, he does this. He, yeah, and the thing is, is that you know, I think um, I was speaking of the very famous guy that um, that was first Bruce Lee, but he wasn't a comedian. Jackie's a comedian, but I think for me, sitting there, it may not have been the, even though it's the opening scene, it may not have been filmed. First, because I don't remember being scared because I'd been watching them, you know, do all this stuff. And it's, but yeah, it was just crazy looking up, going, what? And I'm, no, the killer is, is inside. I'm like, I can't believe what this, you know, what he can do. And I'm supposed to, it's like I'm knitting, right? Or whatever. I'm supposed <laughs> to be very nonchalant. You know, we've got to go. <laughs> so he's up. Yeah. Not a big deal. He's doing sit ups from a beam way high up. And you're just like, come on, we got it. We're going to be late. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we have a brunch. <laughs> it's almost like this is just like a normal Tuesday. Come on, let's get moving. Uh, it, it, which is great because yeah. it fits your characters because it fits the backstory that you two guys have known each other and have a relationship. And I thought that was for a movie that came out around 1980. That this is mm-hmm. a rare thing where you have the relationship that you and Jackie had there, and nobody really makes a comment about it. There are people that say derogatory stuff to the Chinese race and the mafia side, but your relationship with him, it's not, it's, it's his family doesn't care. Nobody else cares. It's just like, it's just like a normal boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. And I love that. Yeah, no, it was really sweet. I love the script. And then the roller derby, the killer is, is that I had never, I grew up in the country on a, a farm. So I had never seen roller. I know, I know people had roller skates and roller skated, but not me. I never roller skated. So that I, they were, I was given roller skates and I had to learn to roller skate so I could do the scene. So the whole, that was at the end. So the whole movie I'm practicing roller skating. And I want you to know by the end of it, I could jump over a barrel on roller skates. I think back down, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I did that. But I did. Yeah. I had to learn how to roller skate. Well, I guess part of it is when you see Jackie and all those guys doing their own stunts, part of you is like, oh, I could do this. I'm going to show them. I could do it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was younger and, and, you know, and I was pretty athletic, I think. You know what I mean? But still, it's like now I I couldn't imagine. I I mean, I guess if I had to, but yeah. And then I roller skated all over because I I was working on the soap at CBS. And I lived a few blocks away, so I would roller skate to work. I was roller skating through the halls of CBS. Uh, of course, it's 1980, so every, you know, for listeners, but it was normal to see everybody in the late 70s, early 80s roller skating everywhere. That was just like the norm, some in some places. Really? I, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that, but uh, now I do. At least where I was. But of course, I'm a little younger, so it could be I could be getting thrown off because. You know, I was a teenager during that time, and so you know, it's 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 my perspective is going to be a little different. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. My perspective is um, is <laughs> it's just like I love saying. I've been saying this for five years. Hey, I'm going to be seventy soon. I'm almost seventy. And my friends be you're not seventy, so they'll call me and say, "Are you seventy yet?" I'm like, "Shush!" Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost seventy. Oh my gosh. He said, you're not even close to that. You're like 62. I said, yeah, but I'm going to be 70 soon. And like, uh, yeah, and I'm just, I'm creeping towards it. Well, you don't, yeah. you, you don't look anywhere near 70. So, I mean, that's why probably people say, oh, you're not going to be 70, you know, and that kind of stuff. So it's. <laughs> well, they're my friends, but yeah. I, but yeah, I, I mean, hence me playing, you know, 16 when I was 25. That is true, and it, but you're you're able to pull it off because you're in some roles where you were somebody in their like twenties, and in the next movie you'd be in your sixteen or eighteen, you know. So you're some people were able to fit that window and of, of body yeah. for the body of work. Yeah, like James at sixteen, I was on that show. Right, I played his girlfriend. Fun. Now you're you're in a sci-fi project. I don't know if you get ever get asked too much about it. Um, Life Pod. And I thought it was rather intriguing, you know, premise. It was kind of like 2001 A Space Odyssey meets um, Lifeboat, the old Alfred Hitchcock movie. It had like a premise of both of those. Uh, so I don't know if you have any memories of doing Life Pod. 
just being thrilled because it was science fiction and that is one of my favorite things um now it's more fantasy like harry potter or you know that reading of those books with my boys created this whole we're all berserker fantasy adventure but i from the beginning with my dad it was all about science fiction and star trek so you know and i always want to get i would still but in life pod i just remember thinking back now that that it that the set it was just funny because it was a tv movie of the week right but the set just seems so strange now compared to what you see now on set right yep yeah but but you know other than that i don't really i like the side ponytail i'm i'm thinking back i'm i can't really hmm, what year was that it was uh, 1981 when it came out. So I'm not, it's hard to say when it being a TV movie is probably, it could have been filmed that same year or the very the year prior. Um, yeah. You had a, I was going to ask you about like Carl Lumley was in it and Joe Penny. Yeah. Yep. Joe Penny. Yeah. They're, and I've seen Carl. I, yeah, I, you know what? This is an odd thing, right? But it happens. I don't really have a lot of memories. I know I work with Joe. I know I work with Carl. But And I can see the set. And I can see a few scenes. But other than that, I don't. Like offset stuff, I don't. It's just weird. I don't know why. But that, that, yeah, yeah. It happens. Well, that, yeah, because you... I, mean, I can make up some funny stories if you'd like. <laughs> 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 Oh gosh! Yeah, sorry, I was kidding. I know, I know, but it's, that was—I can just imagine people like, "This is what happened," and, 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 and then Carl Lumley would be like, "Forever trying to say, no, those stories did not happen. That, that she's just making it up." Well, she said you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's how crazy rumors get started. <laughs> Exactly. Carl would be like, really? Where was I? When I yeah, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people have different remember, remember different things. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it just, it just depends what you weren't in that scene. Carl was in that scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you were when that happened. When I tripped and yeah. No. So you're going back to what you said, you and your dad had a love of science fiction and fantasy movies and that you love the creature from the black lagoon and Star Trek, and obviously they're they're missing out on an opportunity here because they still got Star Trek material that's constantly being done by Paramount. They, they should be putting yeah. you in it. I mean, here you're like, I'll, I'll do anything. I can't make them, though. It's like, you know, I mean, what am I going to do? No one's calling me. If, they, if I had an audition, I would be there. But also think about it. Star Trek was about people from other planets. and But I guess, I mean, you know, if I'm from another planet, they can make me look like I'm from another planet. Yeah, but nope. Nope, they haven't called me yet. Could you, can, is there anything you can do about that? Well, maybe people will <laughs> listen to this and they'll put you in it. It's like, look, I'll even wear a red shirt. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't, people won't even know it's me. They can just find out in the credits that I was the monster that was in the background of just put me in a science fiction. Yeah, I'm just maybe I should write a science fiction and see if I could get it filled and it would be scary. Well, there you go. And I guess you could tie the two together. It could be a science fiction fantasy. You could put everything in, you know, one little thing and and go for it. Yep. Now, yep. 
you took some time off from acting for a while, and I guess that was to um, raise your family? Yeah, my boys. Yeah, I have four. Yeah, wow. I kept trying to have a girl. This wouldn't happen. Twice, you know, you know, two boys, and then another one, and the, and that one was totally, the pregnancy was totally different. So my friends are like, oh, my gosh, you're having a girl this time. They gave me a shower. They gave me girl clothing, and it was another boy. So then, incidents of female birth was with age. So I waited eight years. I was well into my 40s. And he said, um, do you want to know what it is? And I said, yeah, because it's another boy. I'm going to need eight months to eight months. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, it's a boy. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm never. It's just not meant to have a girl. So, yeah, four boys. But that's, yes, I took time off because I didn't really, I wanted to raise them in the country and on a farm where I was raised, I just thought I just wanted them to have that experience. So, yeah. And that's, that's what's cool. Cause like I said, for the first part of my life, I lived in a small country town and then my parents moved back to Baltimore city because my dad needed to take care of his mom. And so the, the rest of my childhood, I grew up in Baltimore city. We talk about a contrast between country life and city life. Yeah. Yep. If it, yeah, and you, well, you obviously know too. It's just not. It, I mean, I lived in New York for a while. I just, you know, and I would go to New York, and I mean, just, and I love New York. I take my grandson to the uh, Natural History Museum. I used to live a couple blocks from there. It's my favorite museum ever because you visit the dinosaurs now. But, um, but yeah, no, it just there's something to be said for quiet and the country and yeah, horses and. I mean, it is nice when you can get, I live in the country now with, because my wife is a country girl and uh, so all of our children have been growing up there. So I know exactly why you'd want to do that. It's just something nice where you, you don't have, they can go out back. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh, go mm-hmm. play, you know, cause all you got around you is woods and farmland. Yeah, right. Exactly. Go have fun. Go have fun in the woods. But, yeah. So, and then of course, going back, it wasn't easy. And my favorite story if, okay, so it's going to take me a minute to think that I, when I went back, you could, uh, you could submit yourself a project suddenly. I was like, and, and then I, I did end up getting an agent, but I submitted myself for this thing. And um, I hear back in two, I, I said, I think you can play this character. And you have to pull it up. I can't, I can't believe I can't think of his name. It's not there. Hold on. So this is me going to my own IMDb page. <laughs> and the thing is, if you, if I had a second, I would, of course, think of, okay, I should just tell the story and then I'll remember. Anyway, so I heard back instantly, like right away. And he said, are you available? And I said, I'm available to read. Absolutely. Where do you need me? He goes, read? I know who you are. I want you to be. So then, then we made all those films together, all the talking animal movies. Yeah, because yeah, you did. Because you did like the great Halloween puppy adventure. Yes, all those. A talking and, cat, an Easter bunny puppy, yes, a talking pony. Gay yes. <laughs> Dakota, thank you, Jesus. So yes, and it was hilarious. At one point, I said, "Dave, she, maybe we should do a talking woodchuck movie." <laughs> because well, those are a northeast. I mean, I, I out west they call them gophers, but it is a different species. But similar. Anyway, um, yeah, no. So it was just, but the the story that I just think it's so amazing, you know, 
years before, you couldn't submit yourself for something. You had to have an agent. You couldn't get in the door. So then I spent a lot of time helping young actors that I would meet, you know, introducing them to agents that I knew, trying to help them out. Because if you don't have an agent, it's really, really hard. And, um, yeah, so I had a, an agent, and, and but it's just, it, you know, it's just hard to get that momentum back. But I had fun. I, what did I made a bunch of um, – um, Greg Hatsunaka also wanted to meet with me, and we did a few films together with my friend Lisa London. Yeah. I was saying, you have like a like a little renaissance where a whole bunch of different films, a lot of them in the horror genre, some of them in the action genre, and this one, the ones you just mentioned, we talked about earlier in the family area. Uh, you know, so yeah. you're like everywhere. Well, you know what he told me is uh, Dave told me that because he'd taken me to a cocktail party with international, uh, whatever there they purchased films, um, and he said that. Talking animal movies were huge in Europe. And I'm like, okay, let's make some. So we did. You know, we started with, yeah, we just, okay, we're doing another one. And um, it was so funny because, you know, you think about fans, and most of my fans are from these balls. And I met this young girl, and she goes, oh my God, you're Christine DeBell. And I said, yeah, thinking that she's a meatball fan. She goes, and then she said, oh, we, all my girlfriends, we love a talking cat. We have sleepovers and watch it all the time. Like okay, there you go. Uh, that's interesting. It was so sweet. I just was, you know, I never had someone say that before. I was expecting meatballs. Well, it's, it's not, a, uh, after you, <laughs> a talking cat. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun. Now, in the talking cat, you worked with Johnny Whitaker. Yep, Johnny Whitaker. I interviewed him a while back, and he's such a nice guy. What was it like working with Johnny? Yeah, no, just the nicest guy, right? Yeah, he was real. He was very sweet, and a bunch of them. He loved. He loved finding uh, the uh, the old actors. Us, or not old. But how do we want to put this? Actors. Hmm. Se- who, uh, seasoned veterans. I, I like that. Seasoned veterans. That works. Yeah. That aren't doing some big show. So how would you like to make my talking animal movie? I would love that. And I know, I always find it interesting. There's some fans of different actors or whatever, and they'll be like, well, why did so-and-so do this movie or do that movie? And it could be for several reasons. Some of them, it, you know, hey, money pays for a new roof, pays for this. And a lot of them, it's because it's fun, you know, because you're an actor and you're not it, and. I remember Ricardo Montalbán saying in an interview years ago, an actor is only an actor when they're acting. Right, exactly. And sometimes, you know, it's like it's, there have been many films that were supposed to be crappy films that turned out to be absolutely, and maybe they weren't, you know, uh, you know, a critic wouldn't like them, but the public loves them. So it's like all the John Wick movies. It's like, what's not to love about that? Yeah, and you never know. <laughs> And, and then there's yeah. then, then there's ones that are big budget bombs, you know, that people were like, oh, and, and everybody thought that was going to be a big hit, but it ended up just tanking. Yep. And that's, that's, that's the truth. You just never know. And the thing is, is that I think it's true. It's like, I'd rather be acting, like, you know, once in a while, you know, well, that, that's actually about something else, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say nothing. Well, I just did say no last week, but for a different, but that's a specific reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, not, not every project, you, you know, nobody's ever going to take a hundred percent of everything they're thrown in front of them. There's, you, you know, you, you got to look through and decide, ah, this is just a little too far out of my area. <laughs> yeah. Out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's out of my wheelhouse. Now you did have an opportunity to do some work with that. Hopefully one day will be seen with Terry Moore. And I, I, to me, the, with mighty Joe young, the actress that starred in that and so many other things, her life is wild and crazy of all the things that she's done in her lifetime. What was it like working with, with Ms. Moore? It, it, well, as I said previously, when we were talking about it, it was like a vignette. So it was just a, a short shoot, right? The, the film is a bunch of vignettes, different stories. And I'm not sure how he's going to put them together. But being with Terry Moore, for me, it wasn't quite like having Robert De Niro's arms around me, but it was close because I was a huge fan of her, her films. Mighty Joe Young growing up is like one of my favorites. And she was just, she was, you know, again, sweet, kind, you know, telling some stories. She was amazing. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to meet her a few years ago, a couple times in two different conventions. And her stories and her recall are just amazing with, um, what, I think Howard Hughes and I, I think Elvis Presley. Yeah. I mean, it's like, whoa. She made a lot of Howard Hughes movies. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. Oh yeah. I was, yeah. I was just thinking you, you've been so lucky and blessed to have so many different people that are like, well, so well known in the industry that you've been with and have helped them with their first films and, and other work. I mean, it's just, did you ever look back and just say, man, it's just, I can't believe all these, all these things that happened to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I have, you know, in some way thinking, you know, back, I mean, especially like with meatballs or, you know, the big brawl, just thinking about the opportunities that I've had and how much fun I've had doing all the things that I've done. Um, so, yeah. And what's, what's projects that you have coming up that you can talk about? Anything that's coming up in the future? No, not really. I mean, I'm really back in the country. I want to be here. I'm happy. And, but if one of my friends calls, my son has a script he's writing. And he wants me to play something in it. So it's like, if someone wants me to, you know, make a movie, I will. But I don't want to be in the, I don't want to be in the grind anymore. It just, I, you know, it's, not that it's a grind. I mean, you have an agent, you get a call. I don't know. I just would prefer to be here. So I'm, I'm, I'm semi-retired, I would say. Or I, I guess, but, I guess it could be like if a fun, if a fun project shows up, you're like, that's fun. I'm doing it. Oh, of course. I'm not, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying no. Right. But I'm not out there actively looking. I'm not auditioning. But if someone says, oh, my gosh, you know, who'd be perfect for this is Christine DeBell. Hey, give me a call. And if people want to see you on July 1st, they can go where and when? I am going to be at the Mesquamacus Drive-In in Westerly, Westerly, Rhode Island, on July first, and I can't wait. It's going to because we tried to do this last summer, as I may have told you, and it rained, and some people had come for quite. So you know, we chatted. I signed free autographs because they drove all that way <laughs> to not be able to see the film. 
But um, so hopefully I did look at long term, not that that means anything, because actually today was supposed to be beautiful and it's, it's not as beautiful as it could be. So we'll see. But yes, rain or shine, I will be there. July 1st and, in Rhode Island. And, and listeners, you can make a weekend of it. You can go there out there on the Friday, come back on the Sunday, and you know what you have Saturday night. So you can enjoy the area yep. and have fun. And Yeah, no, it's lovely. I, I did that exact thing. I went in on uh, Friday evening, Saturday. I was on the beach. They have beautiful beaches there. Yep. They have lovely restaurants. Yeah, it was, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Then I left Sunday. I did that. I made a weekend out of it. It was great. Well, there we go. So, and, and what and what better way to have in your weekend than to get to meet Christine and watch meatballs and have that fun time? I mean, that's just going to be you know, meet and greet, get autographs, get pictures, and just ask. If there's a question I didn't ask her, do you want to ask? She'll be right there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I will. And I want to thank you again so much for allowing me to interview and taking this time. Yeah, no, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Thank you for asking me. Hello, everybody. I want to again thank Christine DeBell for letting me interview her. And I hope everybody gets a chance to see her at the drive-in in Rhode Island. Uh, the information that we talked about is also on our show notes, so feel free to go look there. Also, it'll be posted on our Facebook page. As always, if you have feedback, please send it to please send it to us at diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com or leave us a message on our Facebook page. I hope everybody has a great summer. And I think the best way to have us exit out of this episode is listening to Are You Ready for the Summer from the film Meatballs. So if everybody enjoys it, talk to you soon. Bye. Are you ready?